Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me. Box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. And uh, become one of our friends on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives. Well, before we do get started, I want to uh, encourage you, when you make your uh, travel plans, remember to go to johnnydollarair.com. Uh, Johnny Dollar Air is a Priceline affiliate, so you can either name your own price or uh, choose from some great published specials. But if you do opt to go through johnnydollarair.com, a part of your uh, purchase price goes to support these programs. Uh, so that's johnnydollarair.com. But uh, speaking of Johnny Dollar, it's time to get into today's episode as we wrap up the Jolly Roger Fraud Matter, Part 5. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Hello? Johnny Dollar. Johnny? You sound surprised, Jan. Well, uh, yes, I am, dear. I thought you were going over to police headquarters. I changed my mind. Then you didn't need my car, after all. No. Are you coming back here to my apartment? Johnny? After I take a little walk. As I told you, I've got to think this case out, and I can't very well do it wrapped up in your arms. Well, can I? Why don't you take a drive along the shoreline in my car? Want to come along? Jan? I'll, uh, I'll wait for you here. Yeah. See you in a little while. Much sooner than you think, baby. Tonight and every weekday night... Bob Bailey and the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. (laughs) Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar, location San Diego, California. To Universal Adjusters Bureau, Hartford, Connecticut. Assignment... The Jolly Roger fraud, including the loss of a palatial yacht and a couple of murders. Expense account item 12, phone call. And one thing I didn't tell Jan Penny was that I was calling her from a booth right on the ground floor of her own apartment building. Another was the reason I changed my mind about borrowing her car to drive to headquarters for a talk with Sergeant Franklin. Although I had gone out to the parking lot and climbed into her car, all right. But as I was about to insert the key to start it, I noticed the hood wasn't closed down tight. That saved my life. For wired to the ignition, I found a booby trap that would have blown me to kingdom come if I'd even turned the key. After hanging up on Jan, I hopped upstairs to her apartment and pressed an ear against the door. No, no, he didn't. Because he just phoned me from somewhere outside. But he said he's coming back here, and I tell you, you'd better come over here. No, no, he just said he's going for a walk. Of course I can handle. All right, all right. 
I went back to the first floor to the phone booth and called Sergeant Franklin. You think Jan Penny's in with Zanagin on this whole deal? Tell you this, I don't like what I think. Look, Sergeant, I'm going back upstairs to talk to her again. Uh, talk, did you say? Yes, talk. I'm going to lay it all out to her, tell her what I suspect and why. If I can break her down, okay. If I can't, well, I misjudged her. Lucky stiff. Huh? I've seen her, Johnny boy. What's that supposed to mean? I hope you have misjudged her for your sake. What? Reconciliation. What a lovely way to spend the rest of the evening. Look, you dope. Go to it, boy. And happy hunting. Who is it? Johnny? Yeah. My, that was a short walk. But I'm glad. Are you? Or are you sorry I didn't stay away longer so you could get some help? Help? Sit down. Sit down, Jan. I want to talk to you. Oh, how masterful. Here? As you know, I didn't borrow your car after all. Sit next to me, darling, and let's continue from where we left Because off. fortunately, somebody goofed, left the hood partly open. Oh, sir, Johnny. That's why I discovered the booby trap that would have gone off as I turned the ignition key. Oh, sir, Johnny, I... Booby... What are you talking about? That's why you didn't hear the expected explosion right after I left you. Oh, no. Then they are after me, too. The warning over the phone. If I didn't stop helping you in this case, they... Oh, Johnny, what will I do? Johnny... For one thing, take your arms back to yourself. What? And move over to your own corner of this couch so I can pull a gun if any of your pals... Something... Oh, my dear Mr. Dollar. Zanagian. I feel it's too late. Artis here will pull the trigger if you so much as move a hand toward your gun. He's an excellent shot. Yeah, I'm sure he is. Awkward coming in the service entrance, but I was concerned lest your phone call in the lobby might have been to the police. Now, here now, permit me to take charge of your gun. Just a minute, and again. I uh, sure. Yeah, thank you. Oh, yes, uh, this is Artis, the man I've had following you since your arrival here in San Diego. You don't recognize him, dear boy? Uh, I keep him from seeing me. You never know I follow him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Artis, you've been pretty good at it. But as long as we've been introduced now, why don't we shake hands? Go back, or I shoot. Oh, and he would, my boy. And the, I believe you call it a silencer, would obviate any undue noise. Wouldn't you be happier if he did pull the triggers in again? But I wish to talk with you, dear Mr. Dahl. I don't think we have anything to talk about. Oh, but we have. You see, dear boy, I'm curious to know why you suspected Jan here of complicity in our little plan. Oh, lovely girl, isn't she? Pretty obvious, isn't it? Now? Oh, forgive me. I realize in a situation like this, it is usually the detective, or in this case, the insurance investigator, who at the point of a gun extracts a confession from the, shall we say, criminal. <laughs> However... Okay, okay, I'll tell you. Apart from the threatening phone calls, which nobody but Jan seemed to know about... Terrible story for her to make up. You warned me what? in the beginning you'd have somebody tailing me while I was here in San Diego to make sure I didn't spoil your plan to collect some... 460,000 insurance on that yacht you burned and sank out near the Coronados? Quite right, quite right. Uh, but I must ask you to be brief in case that phone call you made was to the police. You see, with only Artis and Jan left of my staff and crew, I, I can't very well afford sure, to... Sure, that call was to the police. That's why I'm trying to stall you with a lot of talk. <laughs> Thank you. For if that were true, dear boy, you would never admit it. But do continue. All right. I've been followed before. I know, or at least I hope I do, every trick in the book for dodging a tail. Too good. Artis, you shouldn't admit he got away from you. Yeah, too good. 
But now I make him sorry. Artis, please. I wish to hear more from Mr. Dollar. And I wish to speak to him. As a matter of fact, dear Mr. Dollar, there is really no need for you to continue. You are a very intelligent young man. Oh, thanks. You realize that no one but our little Janet could have provided me with all the information I had. You're coming out here to investigate the sinking of the Jolly Roger. Your touching deathbed scene with Mr. Parker. Your conversations with Lieutenant Smith of the Coast Guard. And, oh, she did dispose of him quite well, didn't she? Jen. Who else, Johnny? Who else could have run down Bird Parker without leaving him? Well, you ought to have your <laughs> neck. No, Artis, Artis, please. I wish to talk with Mr. Dahl. No wonder you insisted I drive your booby-trapped car tonight. Really, darling, I'm glad that you didn't. Because if you'll listen... Yes, dear boy, listen to me. You are intelligent, as I said before. You even learned why I am in immediate need of funds, so that I may finance a return to Europe and free the money of mine that has been frozen there. Millions, dear boy. And as the lovely Janet will attest, those who work with me, share with me. It's true, Johnny. Regardless of his reputation, when it comes to the people who will work with him... Like the crew of that yacht and whoever else was working with him... He admitted that only you and this trigger-happy character here were left. Oh, tools, my dear boy. Quite unlike the, the intelligent colleagues such as yourself and Janet, whom I wish to, to keep close oh, to me. Oh, artist boy, that means you better watch your step. What do you mean? Nothing, artist, nothing, nothing. My dear Mr. Dollar. Yeah, he... yeah, I get it, I get it. All I do is report that your claim should be paid, and I'm on your team. And you will never regret it. Not only money, more than you ever dreamed of, but... Uh, Janet, Janet, my pearl, you do like our Mr. Dollar, do you now? You dirty rock. Oh, get right. You admit you sank the Jolly Roger yourselves in again. Yeah, but of course. And all the men who went down with it. Uh, what had to be done? Even a little to... cabin oh, boy. Oh, yes, yes, dear boy, yes. Both he and the crew on the Jolly Roger were in danger of upsetting my plans. They had to be eliminated. But you, dear man, please... Do not stand in my way. Much as I like and respect you, if you do, you will leave me no choice but to eliminate you. Even as I had to rid myself of Parker, the Lieutenant Smith, the cabin boy... Look, son, again. What if I were to say, okay, I'll go along with you? Aha! Uh-huh. To say the least, it would get me out of this present pickle I'm in. Ah, uh-huh, and much more. I still wish that gorilla of yours would aim his gun the other way. Oh, Artis, I think you might relax a bit for the moment. But I watch him. Go on, dear boy. Okay. What kind of assurance do you think you'd have that I wouldn't double-cross you? Uh, There is the factor of fear. Fear? Oh, my dear, dear man, don't you see? The choice is as simple as this, and the choice is yours. You either accept my offer now, or you accept a bullet from artist gone. The latter I would regret exceedingly. Not only because of you, I like you, but because it would mean temporary interruption of my plans, a quick trip across the border to avoid being found when your body is discovered, and and the necessity of devising some other means for attaining passage to Europe. But far more formidable problems have been overcome many times. Dear Mr. Dollar, I do not wish to have to discuss this further. So tell me... I have good news. Yes? For me, not for you. 
You mean you refuse? No, dear boy. No, I mean you aren't going to have to discuss this any further. You won't be able to. But, my dear... Much as I'd like to tie up this case with a big fancy ending, a real dramatic tagline... I do not understand you, All of your long-winded confession a minute ago might just as well have been stated in court. What? As a matter of fact, you'll probably hear it in court, word for word. I do not understand. You and this homely trigger man of yours aren't the only ones who know about the service entrance to this apartment. Hollis! What do you mean? You may as well give up quietly because the gentleman standing in the doorway directly behind you... No! Sergeant Franklin of the San Diego... Oh, no, you don't, Artie. I don't want to do it. No, please. Do not hurt me. Help, please, please. Thanks, Sergeant. What a mess. Better tie up this gorilla, boys. I'm glad you took the hint and came over. You know my call was being listened to. I kind of thought so. Well, no more Zanagian. Dead? Yeah. By a slug from this big monkey's gun. If I'd known he was that bad a shot, I might have tried to jump him earlier. Come on, Artis. Up. up. After the way you hit him, he'll sleep for a long time. Well. Johnny. Huh? Johnny, listen to me. Oh, shut up. Expense account item 14, 217.50, hotel in San Diego, incidentals and plane fare back to New York and Hartford. Expense account subtotal 523.23. I'll give you the rest when I finish my vacation in La Jolla, the one you promised me. Remarks? The fabulous crooked empire of Paulus Zanagian is kaput. The same way it happens when every man who tries to break the rules of international law and order. You might almost have called it death by his own hand. Though, of course, little Artie will be made to pay for it. Jan, same thing, I guess. Uh, why do they do it? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Now, here's our star to tell you about next week's exciting story. Next week, Vacation. And a beautiful romance that turned out to be a prelude to murder. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, is transcribed in Hollywood. It is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone, who also wrote this week's story. Heard in the cast were Virginia Gregg, Forrest Lewis, Paul Fries, Jay Novello, Harry Bartell, Don Diamond, and Victor Perrin. Musical supervision by Amerigo Marino. Be sure to join us on Monday night, same time and station, for another exciting story of Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. This is Roy Rowan speaking.
Welcome back. I have to say, this was uh, has not been my favorite uh, serial so far. Uh, because, uh, really, it just came off week. It seemed to be going somewhere through the first three parts, and then just kind of uh, fell apart a bit in parts uh, four and five. It just became... Um, uh, kind of uh, obvious. And uh, you can definitely tell John Stone wrote this, um, as opposed to most of these uh, ones, which were written by uh, 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 E. Jack Newman, uh, or adapted from it. Um, this one tried, but not quite, but there's always um, another episode. All right. Well, listener comments and feedback. Uh, we had some uh, positive comments on episode on uh, episode 1049, the Clinton matter. Uh, Gary uh, on Twitter says great, and uh, Brian uh, calls out one of our special uh, guest uh, guest stars who uh, shows up a lot. Uh, says love that Johnny Dollar. I can't believe how many episodes of Johnny Dollar and the lineup have Howard McNear doing parts. I have so much respect for him. He is much more than just Floyd the Barber. Well, thanks so much. And uh, I know that probably a lot of um, baby boomers and older, that's uh, the main thing they remember McNear for. But uh, we see, you know, just listening to the uh, radio uh, programs, he... Uh, played a lot of different roles. Let George do it, uh, Johnny Dollar, and uh, the lineup. Uh, but, you know, you just hear that voice on nearly, uh, on just so many programs. He was one of those really pivotal people that uh, made radio work. So, and uh, we'll hear him in some other series coming up. I know that he is in one of the uh, programs we'll be doing next season, uh, The Casebook of Gregory Hoods. All right, well, uh, now it's time for our second feature of the day, um, the great uh, me- uh, medical mystery show targeted towards a bit of a younger audience. This is episode four from 1948 from the Monarch Pro- uh, Program Library syndication, The Mystery of the Man from Trouble Creek. Trouble Creek, excuse me. This is Dr. Tim, detective, to bring you by transcription, The Mystery of the Man from Trouble Creek. It was Jill, my landlady's daughter, who first brought the case to my attention. You see, Jill and her pal Sandy have helped me out on a lot of my cases, which are usually of the sort where mystery and medicine are combined. This morning, Jill and Sandy were standing by while I was looking for some rare but dangerous microbes under the powerful microscope I have in my laboratory. I don't know how the conversation started, but I remember Jill asking suddenly... Dr. Tim, you don't always get paid for your cases, do you? Well, I'm not suffering from any want, if that's what you mean. I have standard fees for my crime investigation. I don't mean exactly that. I was thinking of charity work. Well, you see, Jill, those are things that any doctor just naturally does in the course of events without any thought of reward. But would you help out a person? Just somebody in trouble the same way? Of course I would. Any doctor would. If you knew the number of free cases that doctors handle each year, you'd faint. Well, this isn't exactly a medical case. Well, it sort of is, too, but... There's something up your sleeve, isn't there? 
Well, I just kind of feel sorry for her. Oh? For whom? Mrs. Edwards. She's a friend of Mother's, and she hasn't any money and a family to take care of. And, well, gee, Dr. Tim, she sure needs help bad. You see, her husband's sick. I mean, that isn't the worst part. He disappeared. I thought maybe you might talk to her, and maybe you might. And that was the way I first learned of the strange disappearance of Arnold Edwards, the man from Trouble Creek. Later that afternoon, Sandy and Jill brought Mrs. Edwards to my office. You see, Doctor, my, my husband and I live on a small rented farm at Trouble Creek. We have three tiny children, and, well, things just haven't been working out. In a money way, I mean. Well, gosh, don't they have places where you can go and get some help? Now, Sandy, just wait until Mrs. Edwards has finished her story. Everything went along pretty well, until my husband started feeling bad a few months ago. He tried awful hard, but he just couldn't seem to get the farm work done. That's what kind of illness was it? I don't know. It's awful hard to get a doctor, and, well, there was the money, too. He, well, he complained of feeling tired, and, and he lost a lot of weight, and I thought he looked like he had a fever. Hmm. Did he cough? I don't remember. Oh, yes, he, he did have a bad cold. How long did it last? That's the funny part. It never did seem to go away. It wasn't bad, but... But there was that cough that seemed to come back all the time. Gosh, Dr. Tim, what good are all those questions? He just walked away from home and disappeared. Well, yes, and even the police can't find him. Now, look, you kids. Every mystery is a number of causes, and you can't know too much about the background of everybody concerned in one. If you think detective work, or medical work either, is just a matter of chasing around and getting into exciting scrapes, you'd better think again. All right, Mrs. Edwards, go on. Well, well finally, my husband did ask the county nurse where to go for help. And she told him to come to town, here. That was three weeks ago. And I haven't heard a word from him since. Oh, Doctor, isn't there something you can do? Well, there I was. You can't say no to an appeal like that. And besides... She was Sandy's and Jill's own case, if you want to put it that way. The first time they'd actually come to me for help. I may be a sucker, but I just can't seem to turn down people in a jam. Mrs. Edwards was staying for a couple of days right in the house as a guest of Jill's mother. So I decided to find out as much of the picture as I could. First, I called the Missing Persons Bureau of the Police Department. Sure, Doctor. Anything you want. You've given us enough help in your time, but I'm afraid there's nothing here on it. The usual routine investigation. Uh, yes, we've checked the hospitals, the morgue, looked in on the missions for destitute men, Salvation Army and all that. No luck. After all, the man isn't a criminal, and there isn't very much to go on. Yes, you're welcome. I tried a few leads of my own, including a telephone call to the county nurse. But she was away on vacation. I was sure she must have given Edwards a card or letter to some specific medical agency. And so the next thing to do was to make a thorough check of all those. On the fourth call, I found what I wanted. Yes, Doctor, we gave him an examination. His skin test, x-rays, a thorough checkup. Yes, tuberculosis. A pretty advanced case, too. No, no address except the farm at Trouble Creek. No, no, he came back in person, and we advised him of what the matter was and what to do. He disappeared. Well, that's odd. No, I haven't the slightest idea. Yes, you're welcome. Mm -hmm. 
And there we were, at a dead end again. It wasn't even any news to me to discover that the Welfare Medical Center had diagnosed Edward's disease as tuberculosis. From what his wife had said, the conclusion was obvious. A loss of weight, a wasting away process which gave the disease its original name of consumption. The fever, the cough, the tiredness, and the inability to work. All those were signs that the dread tubercle bacilli, the cause of tuberculosis, were at their deadly work inside his lungs. If the man was to live, those lungs must have rest, complete rest, to allow the healing processes of nature to do their job. That meant a hospital, specialized care, months perhaps, of expert attention. But why had he disappeared from home? It wasn't until the day that Mrs. Edwards left to go back to Trouble Creek that things began to make sense. Sandy and Jill dropped into the laboratory, and Sandy announced proudly, Oh, I guess we aren't so dumb. No, sir. You said to get background about everybody in the case, and we've got it. Hmm. Well, let me disinfect my hands. I've been analyzing some poisons. Maybe we'd better have a conference. Find yourselves a chair there. Okay. We've got everything written down in the notebook. First, I want to say we interviewed Mrs. Edwards thoroughly. An excellent idea. Okay. Arnold Edwards, 39. Farmer. Born 1909. Two brothers, one sister. I guess that's just like the way you put information down about your patients, isn't it, Dr. Tim? Oh, exactly. Went to school through the sixth grade. Then had to find work because of family. I must admit that after my week's rush of work and the extra task of trying to locate the missing farmer, I began to nod as Sandy and Jill in turn went through the long and irrelevant history of Mr. Edwards' life. I thought with a wry smile that I'd done my work too well when I suggested that backgrounds were important in a mystery. I hadn't the heart to cut them off. And then, coming to attention at a word or two after what seemed hours of case history, I snapped suddenly, Hey, go back there a few words. What was that you said? You mean about Mr. Edwards' matter? Here it is. Mrs. Edwards. Quote, Two years ago, my husband's mother died. That was just before my youngest baby was born. She had lived with us... What since. did she die of? She had a, a... It says here a hem... Hemorrhage? Uh-huh. Of the lung. Now, hold on a minute. Answer this carefully. Did Mr. Edwards realize that his mother had died of tuberculosis? Oh, sure. His wife said it was a very sudden thing as far as they knew it. And the doctor talked it over with him. See, I thought TB took a long, long time to kill anybody. Not necessarily. Many times its onset and the resulting death are very rapid. Anyway, I'm lost. Do you mean Mr. Edwards could have inherited it from his mother? No, 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 no. Tuberculosis can't be inherited, but it can be transferred through contact. Anyone who lives with a tubercular person should have frequent x-rays and tests to determine if he has gotten the disease. Hey, what does all this have to do with Mr. Edwards' disappearance? It gives us the reason, without a doubt. Why? Just this. I'm sure the doctor who attended old Mrs. Edwards informed her son of the dangers of getting the disease by association. Well, when he suspected that he, too, had it, he took the only course. He made sure by a medical examination, and then, rather than expose his family to TB any further, he did what he considered the only possible thing. He disappeared from home, probably to die somewhere alone. To die? But she where? Can't TB be cured? It can. It's dropped from first to eighth place as a cause of death just in the last few years, thanks to medical science. Then we can save him. We can, and we will. If, and it's a big if, if we can find him. Now, go on with that background information. There were two clues to Mr. Edwards' probable whereabouts. 
The fact that before he became ill, he was interested in raising chickens and had hoped to experiment with breeding them to develop some new strains. The second point might or might not be important. He had been a bricklayer at one time in his life. And so, the search was on. We drew blanks on both scores. I was sure that our missing man would not be well enough for the heavy labor of laying bricks. But with the help of a picture which his wife had mailed us, we canvassed every building contractor in town. We did the same with every poultry raiser in the district. None had hired him. Detected, we had just about decided that our man had left this part of the country when a telephone call came from Mrs. Edwards at Trouble Creek. Doctor, I've had a letter from him. From right here in town. All he says is that I shouldn't worry. Not to forget it. Doctor, I And he'll send whatever By this time, both the kids and I were frantic. I'd spent so much time on the case that my regular work was going into a mountain of back-breaking labor. And the farther away from a solution the matter looked, the more determined I was that I was going to save a stubborn human being from the death that would surely come unless I could find him and persuade him to enter a hospital for treatment. That doggone fool, I thought. Doesn't he know there are special hospitals right here in the state for TB patients who can't afford to pay? It had been over a week since our search had started. Was it possible that it was such a short time? Wearily, I threw myself onto a chair and tried to think. Sandy and Jill knocked quietly at my door. Come in. Nothing new, I guess, huh? No. Gosh, we feel kind of like heels not helping any. I guess there isn't anything else to do. I'm afraid not, kids. We thought maybe we'd go see the state fair. Night's the last night, and I sure hate to miss all the roping and the rodeo and the exhibits and everything. Yeah, it's really going to be a Lulu. Want to come along? Oh, I'm afraid I'm too tired, kids. You go on. You wouldn't have to do much of anything. If you don't want to watch the show, you could just wander through the exhibits and think. Hardly anybody's there when the show's going on in the arena. Well, sure. They have lots of interesting things. Rabbits and funny-looking ears of corn. And the craziest bunch of birds and chickens you ever saw. Like all of them have feathers clear down to the ground and colored top knots. And they don't even look like chickens, lots of them. And... Chickens! Good gosh, you suppose... Don't even stop to talk. Get me my hat and coat and let's get in that car, but fast. It's our last chance! quietly up and down the aisles of the almost deserted poultry exhibit of the fair. My heart was beating fast. I glanced from time to time at the picture in my hand. One false alarm. Two. Three. And then... You look lost, mister. Is something I can do for you? I work here. And if there's yes, anything... there is. I have a message from your wife, Mr. Edwards. Now, I don't want you to say a word. I want to talk to you about finding a hospital that will cure you. All those lungs need is a rest. Simple surgery, if needed, can do much to make you a new man. Your family have been examined and haven't taken the disease. Your wife is heartbroken. And your kids are crying for you. So how about it, fella? Shall we talk? <laughs> Mr. 
This is Dr. Kim Detective saying so long until next week at this same time, when Sandy, Jill, and I will dip into my casebook for the exciting transcribed story I call The Mystery of the Second Alarm. Welcome back. Well, kind of more working in a kind a current uh, issue uh, for 1948, um, uh, along with a missing persons case, uh, and I think a very interesting approach and a uh, and a good educate a way to educate the public. The one thing I did wonder here is why this um, farmer would make the choice if he thought he was this. Uh, contagious to go out and uh, work and work. You know, it just seems like putting a lot of people at risk, even if they aren't um, related for you. Uh, so, uh, kind of some odd choices, but at any rate, I'm looking forward to next week's uh, episode. I I don't think I've actually listened to it before, so I hope you'll be back with us for another episode of Doctor Tim. Okay, um, now uh. Some listener comments that have kind of gotten um, lost. Um, uh, some people uh, email me, uh, or they go on Facebook, and they try to contact me without uh, any sort of uh, friend uh, relationship. So they sent some comments that uh, kind of got lost, and... Uh, there was one critical one that was funny. Uh, I got this. Actually, um, Rick uh, he, uh, commented on Facebook. Please, for God's sake, get that voice off the Sherlock Holmes. You know, show your ignorance every time you open your mouth. Nail on nails on a on a blackboard. The funny thing was, I actually got that after I'd stopped uh, doing the Sherlock Holmes uh, po- portion of the podcast. Once we finished those, but on a much more nicer note. I uh, received this from Bob. Uh, Adam, I've never met you, but I'm a big uh, and faithful fan of great detectives. Best wishes and keep up the good work. You are appreciated and are a valued part of my daily routine. All the best, Bob. Well, thanks so much, Bob. Um, and if you do want to get in contact with the show on Facebook, I do encourage listeners to like our Facebook page at facebook.com uh, slash radiodetectives. If you email, if you send a Facebook message to me and I, and I'm not in a uh, friend status, it basically goes into a, a message folder called other. And if you're on Facebook, you have that folder as well. Um, and it just does not get, uh, checked because half the time I don't even think of it being there. So I apologize for those who sent, uh, 
uh, encouraging good messages that I wasn't able to get uh, back to you because I didn't see the messages, but uh, I just stumbled on that, so thought I would share. All right. Well, that will do it for today. We will be back tomorrow with the lineup. Then join us on Monday for another Yours Truly Johnny Dollar Serial, and join us back here next Friday for Dr. Tim. In the meantime, send your comments to Box13 at GreatDetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter, Radio Detectives, and become one of our friends on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.